and you know when they were when they were home brewing, they actually called it called it Zaftig. Uh, and they had, had actually even had like uh, a logo and the whole design. I think it means like full bodied. It, it does. In, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Voluptuous, it, juicy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there it is. Um, yep. <laughs> it's used. Uh, it's, it's used primarily to define a woman, uh, actually. Uh, and so we when we were trying to come up with nif- different names, we threw out all kinds of things and it kind of kept coming back around to this. And it took a little convincing but then it's it almost felt like one day it was it was almost like organic like we we just decided that that name just kind of fit exactly what we were trying to do uh the type of beers we're trying to make it just kind of fit well and at the time we thought oh this is also good we're the only z brewery so like it'll be perfect This is Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. I am Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. My friends and I like to hang out and relax over craft beers and really, really good food. We want to take you on a journey as we discover these new and exciting places. Come along for the ride. If you enjoy these podcasts, please hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a really good rating. Thank you for joining us. Now off to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, Craft Beers and Cheap Meals with the Clydesdale CrossFitter. Uh, I'm Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. And today I have in my crew, uh, Matt Zetzer. Hey everybody, how you doing today? Welcome back. And my nephew, Nick Schweitzer. Hey everyone, this is Nick. Uh, good day to be in the Buckeye State. Uh, go Bucks. Well, we'll see about that. Attaboy, Nick. Welcome. <laughs> You're in. So today we are in Columbus, Ohio, downtown Italian Village, uh, just on the east side of Columbus, and we are at Zaftig Brewing Company. Uh, what's odd about that is this is not your first location. Uh, this is a new location, but we'll get into that later in the podcast. I have with me uh, two of the owners of Zaftig Brewing, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves. Uh, my name is Jim Gokenbach. I'm one of the co-owners of Zaftig Brewing Company and Zaftig Brew Pub. Uh, thanks for coming down, guys. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Yep. I'm Jason Blevins. I'm also co-owner of uh, Zaftig Brewing and uh, Zaftig Brew Pub. Uh, yeah, again, thank you guys. This will be great. Yeah. So Zaftig has been around since 2013. That's correct. Um, what, what made you guys jump into this uh, business? Back then, craft beer wasn't quite as big a thing as it is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what gave you the inspiration to jump into the industry? Yeah, Jason, what made us jump into the industry? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't know if stupidly or uh, smartly decided that uh, uh, I would, uh, we, we had a mutual friend and um, they used to brew, Jim, Jim and him used to brew a lot of home brews uh, together. And uh, I knew them through a party. They invited me to, they used to make all this beer and then they would, they would have these big parties with friends and I came out, brought my wife out and was just kind of blown away by how good the beer was. I hadn't had a lot of homebrewed beer, but the homebrewed stuff I'd had wasn't that great. I mean, you kind of hit, have hit or miss, but all of them were just, were, were actually really good. Uh, and so I don't remember how many months after that, I think that was summertime, but sometime after that, I, I talked to my wife and I said, Hey, what do you, what do you think about, Owning a brewery, starting a brewery, and of course, 
she's thinking, why would you do that? You've never made beer in your life. Like, <laughs> like, seems like an odd thing to just jump in. So you got the thumbs up right away is what <laughs> so, you're saying. Yeah, so she was like, yeah, whatever, you know, okay. And thinking, of course, it's never, ever going to happen. And, uh, and so I asked uh, this friend of ours, and uh, he said, he was like, yeah, Eastside, we thought about it. Uh, he, he and Jim had thought about doing it, but never really kind of went that next mile. And uh, he said, if, if we do this, I want to do it with Jim, too. Uh, I was very reluctant, uh, I'll, I'll say, because I had, I had another company, and we had a lot of business partners. And uh, having two that were, like, best friends, and I was kind of the outsider, and I'm like, oh, no, I wonder how this is going to go. Uh, but once I met Jim, um, we all kind of hit it off. We actually really well. Um, it was uh, it was early uh, in 2013. It was yep. January of 2013. Uh, we started. We were at your house, sitting around his kitchen table, and kind of talked about like, what would we want to do? Why would we do this? What kind of beers we like? You know, why were we interested in like changing from the day job that we were already doing? And uh, at the end of the night, we kind of said well let's are we going to do this and so we we did and um you know it's history six years later here we are yeah jim so i'm just kind of curious about your your start into home brewing and what that was like did you start out one of those like kind of 20 dollar kit type things or was it a lot more for you and then also just kind of how that evolved into where you're at today yeah so we um it wasn't actually my first intention like if you would have asked me six and a half years ago or well not not six and a half years ago but probably nine years ago like you're gonna be a you're gonna own a brewery i'd have been like you're smoking crack (laughs) um what basically what it kind of what happened was uh, like jason had mentioned we did have a third business partner originally and he was a really good friend of mine um basically it was right about the time that yingling came into ohio i don't know if you guys remember that um but like we started having craft beer parties, like having people just bring some craft beer in, something we were kind of, we'll say, experimenting with. And uh, we're trying a lot of these beers, and most of them, in my opinion, were not very good. Like I didn't, I never really cared for most of them. And then I just never, this wasn't at a party, but his brother-in-law brought back some worldwide stuff from Dogfish Head back from, from Michigan because Ohio, you couldn't, you couldn't buy it in Ohio at the time. And... Uh, one Sunday afternoon, we we uh, sat down and, you know, strapped one on with some worldwide stout. And it was like, wow, this is incredible. Like, if you could make beers like this, like more people made beers like this, we would drink them. And uh, at that point in time, I think we might have made one homebrew batch. Um, if, it, if it wasn't already made, it was soon after that. Um, and it wasn't a kit. We did some research. Um Actually, my fr- my friend did some research, and it was like half um, half in in like uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't call it a kit, but we used a lot of like um, liquid malt extract and a little bit of grain, and we did it on the on the stove, and we enjoyed making it, and it turned out pretty well. Um, it wasn't great, but it, it was it was pretty good, and uh, so we then graduated to the porch. And we made a little bit bigger batch. Um, this one was was all grain, and it turned out really well. And then I, we brewed two or three more times like that, and then we graduated down into his garage and started home brewing uh, probably twice a month. And like like Jason said, um, we would have parties, and it started out with friends and 
and uh, friends of friends and then coworkers and friends of coworkers. And I think the one that Jason, the party that Jason came to, there's probably 150 or 200 people that came through our garage. Um, and like they were giving us donations and stuff like that. Like it was, it was pretty serious. Like we had talked about starting a brewery. We just never got any traction to do it. And then Jason came along and kind of expedited that process. So, um, but yeah, like, like I said, I mean, I, I grew up in the country. I drank a lot of Miller Lite and Bud Light and moonshine and just like <laughs> other stuff that we're not serving here. Right. Um, but I always have had a passion for cooking and, and, uh, you know, and it, like the, the beer, the beer is just kind of an extension of that. I mean, the meshing the flavor profiles of the grains and the hops and stuff together is something that I really, really enjoy. And, uh, you know, the beers that we were making, even as homebrew turned out well. And so, history. so Jason, since you didn't bring the brewing background, uh, did you have a business background that, that lent itself to this or some kind of experience or you just, no experience, just so, diving headfirst yeah. into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, I. Uh, so I, I, I'm in IT, so I have an IT background, and uh, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I started a, a previous company with 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 another group of people. It was uh, it was an automotive parts uh, sourcing company. Essentially, it was. If it had taken off, we probably would have done really well. But again, when you have five partners and you have different personalities and stuff, and we ended up, I mean, it was a mess. It, it really fell apart. But, um, but because of that, I learned a lot about, you know, creating companies and everything that goes into, like, you know, running, running it and the finance side of it. And so when we started to do this, that was one of the things we talked about. It's like, well, what, you know, they were the, they were essentially the talent behind the product that was being made. It's like, what did I bring to the table? You know, it was great that I had to, you know, I pushed them into it, but what else do I do? And so I I was like, well, you know, I can, I know everything about the company and how to create this and and kind of keep it moving. And, uh, and that's kind of been my role in, in a lot of it. Um, I'm really handy too. So I like to build stuff and, uh, I, I, I did learn how to brew. So the first few years, I mean, I was just like these guys brewing everything every yep. every week. Uh, and so, so we got. To yeah, Jason it. was a big. Jason's very analytical. Um, he is handy as well. It takes him a little bit of time to get it done, but he 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 <laughs> makes some he makes some great stuff. I mean, he made our first keg washer, and it lasted four years. Oh, yeah. um, like made it all from scratch for, at his house, and you know it like. I don't know. Obviously, the the podcast is fairly new, but if I don't know if any of you had been to our first location, um, but it was a warehouse. Like, and mm-hmm. yep. Jason Jason was kind of the architect behind some of like the fermentation room. Like, we didn't have glycol lines, and so he built the fermentation room or helped build the fermentation room. Kind of designed it, um, and just little stuff like that. And so he's been a, a big part of it. And like he said, he also learned did learn how to brew. So. Don't let him write a recipe, but but <laughs> but if not you, let me write a but recipe. But if you get give you give him a recipe, he will execute it to perfection. So, um, so he he's brought a lot to the table too. Recipes. Yeah. So so you, you mentioned earlier Dogfish Head, and I'm curious to have you talk a little bit about maybe who some of your inspirations were. I think when I think of Dogfish Head, I think of you know you talk Michigan, we're talking founders, maybe even Stone to some degree. I'm, I'm curious yeah. to have you talk about your inspirations. It's it's crazy um, looking back on on how much craft beer has changed over the past six or seven years. Actually, um, 
ironically, the my my personal inspirations haven't changed all that much. I mean, there's been some new ones that have popped in over the past couple few years, but uh, um, for myself, I would say Dogfish Head was a big one uh, with 120, 120-minute uh, IPA and, uh, and, and Worldwide Stout. Um, those two were instrumental in, in kind of getting me on the craft beer uh, bandwagon, I guess. And then probably the most influential for myself is Avery out in Colorado. Um, if you've never been out there, I can tell you that, at least for me personally, you can go in there and of the 40-some beers that they have on tap, you'll never get a bad beer there. And there's not very many breweries in the country that you can do that at. Like It's Jim's... Uh it's your Disneyland. <laughs> it is. It really, it really is. I mean, like, there's like there are beers that I won't get there because of uh, like I'm not a big Belgian fan. But like, the thing is, is if you do like Belgians, it's good. Yeah, it's executed you, well. It's it's executed really, really well. And and that's you can't say that from most all other breweries in the country. And that's that's what we have tried to emulate. Um, and I, I think that we've done a pretty good job of that. But but like the. That's that. Those are my two two big big ones. I would say um, Ale Smith is another one that popped in there uh, the, over the last couple of years, um, and then there's one offs here and there that I I enjoy. As far as establishing the taste profile that you guys were kind of looking for and wanting probably wanted to have certain maybe one of a certain type of few different types of beer. What, what was kind of the thought process and h- how did you go about deciding not just what kind of beers you wanted to do, but the maybe the pilot period and testing them out and figuring out what your kind of identity would be as a brewery? So Jason doesn't like this, but I'm a maverick. So there's no there's no real testing. Yeah, um, we, we throw recipes together and, and um, I, I, I never, ever, ever copied a recipe from somebody else online or anything like that. But I do a lot of research yeah. and figure out what like what flavor we want to go for or what we kind of want to emulate or like what do we like about this beer but want to change it to make it our own that sort of thing um i would say that as far as the overall portfolio that we have um you know our 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 motto or our logo has always been full body dales like and 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 the other the other part of that has been like kind of go big or go home especially in the early days when it didn't cost seven thousand dollars to make a batch of beer it, it was what yeah. a couple hundred bucks to make yeah. the biggest beer <laughs> you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a, a big dollar amount at that that time um but we've always a lot of the beers that we like personally have a little bit of, of um uh leftover sugar in them like they're not completely fermented all the time mm-hmm. um or very malty that full-bodied uh complexity we like making dark beers um obviously we we do we don't have a problem with um ipas and whatnot i mean you know the the big juicy double ipas are are super popular we have the galaxy on right now we have another one that's that's out up north actually you may have had it last night the the hop swapper but it'll be on down here soon i mean we can make those beers but that's not what started the company and that's not like what we like what we're, we're most known for honestly so in, in that vein uh you have made the conscious decision to focus on um high gravity beer yep. uh and why why was that decision made because those are the only beers that are good <laughs> in our opinion I, I would tend to agree those are the the beers that i gravitate to uh so i was really excited 
when I entered Zaftig for the first time, and that's that's what the selection makes it difficult to figure out your way home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it is but it is the beer that I do like the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think, like you said, I mean, we're we're a little bit, uh, I think, a little bit of a maverick when it comes to some of those beers. We we tend to have trouble when we go to like competitions because we do like to change it up a bit and there's very defined guidelines for different styles. And so we, even though we have a style, sometimes we're like, well, you know, that it's really kind of an IPA, but it's really kind of a strong ale, like, you know, trying to kind of fit that in there. And it's, it's part of, I think what we do, we, we're not really defining a lot of our beers by those labels, but, but people want those labels. So you got to kind of figure out like, what is this? Yeah. So, so kind of thinking on that same vein around like branding, um, I'd be curious to get both of your thoughts on your name, maybe how that originated, and then also who you're marketing to. I think I have an idea because we touched on a little bit with mm-hmm. the type of beers you're making, but kind of the genesis of that of Zaftig and how that how yeah. that where we're at today. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, the the Zaftig name uh, originally came from from our other partner. He uh, uh, believe how the story was. He he read it in a, a book in high school. And uh, kind of remembered it, remembered what it meant, and ended up using it for I think like an ultimate frisbee team. And then <laughs> his his actual like brand, you know, when they were when they were home brewing, they actually called it called it Zaftig. Uh, and they had had actually even had like uh, a logo and the whole design. I think everything. it means like full bodied. It, it does. Yeah. 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 Voluptuous, it, juicy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there it um, is. Yep. <laughs> it's used. Uh, it's it's used primarily to define a woman, uh, actually. Uh, and so we, when we were trying to come up with nif- different names, we threw out all kinds of things, and it kind of kept coming back around to this, and it took a little convincing, but then it's, it almost felt like one day it was, it was almost like organic. Like we, we just decided that that name just kind of fit exactly what we were trying to do. Uh, the type of beers we're trying to make, it just kind of fit well. And at the time, we thought, oh, this is also good. It, we're the only Z brewery, so like it'll be perfect. Then Zaber came along, uh, <laughs> and they were actually a little bit ahead of us, so they kind of they popped out before we actually opened. Um, so they've since closed, but but uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of how it how it came to be. Um, and then as far as the beers go, it, like like Jason said, that's how it did come to be. But like the beers that we like brewing fit that definition and and um you know the names of the beers juicy lucy hazy miss daisy bamble am um heavy hearted amber like yeah it's just kind of a, a play on words a fun play on words to 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 get those names out there and mm-hmm. and you know not all of our beers are named d- down that that row but like mini yeah. bomb blonde it looks like what that, what you're drinking there like just just have fun with that um a nice fun marketing spin you know and we're not, we're not trying to insult anyone. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, when, when somebody does feel insulted, we say it's full-bodied ales brewed by full-bodied males. <laughs> so, um, because the, the our brewers are are not little men either. So. Sound like a Clydesdale CrossFitter. It is <laughs> Clydesdale CrossFitter. Absolutely, fits so, right in. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, so that that that's kind of our you know the story of the name and and where it came from and um, kind of the you know why we named it that and the beers that we're making. I'm curious too, so starting out in 2013 when the craft beer scene wasn't as big, uh, at least in Columbus, and you guys talk about yourselves as Mavericks, how, how did you, how were you kind of embraced by the craft beer community in Columbus and 
how would you say maybe you tried to set yourselves apart specifically with with some of your your marketing and things like that well it was crazy actually because it was the craft beer boom in america was crazy at that time actually when we first started um but to your point the 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 marketplace here in columbus was not nearly what it is today um and we were we were basically the community came to us with open arms honestly like the beers that we were making were were very very well received and this whole ipa fad had not hit yet um and like lots of people yeah that's actually why we built the brewery up in worthington like three years ago because we had so many people that were wanted wanted more zaftig basically um because we were at a point you know jason and myself and then the other business partner at the time were all working full-time jobs and it was it was tough on the family life i had two kids our other business partner had one kid at the time and then jason didn't have any kids but he was working a full-time job in that which he's still working but like it was a lot of work and every saturday we were all three there um so we were basically working six days a week um and so we were like we're either going to close the doors or we're gonna you know make a make a go at this and and uh we had lots of people that volunteered at the other at the old brewery um some of those people work for us full time and you know never brewed a beer in their life and now could walk circles around most of the people in the craft beer industry honestly um so it just it's one of those things where um yeah like yeah we had we had a lot of help in the beginning Yeah, yeah i mean it's uh if, if you guys have ever ever brewed before and we were brewing on a little bit higher end home brewing equipment but trying to make a beer like we make and trying to make as much out of it and equipment that was never designed to do this was horrible lots i mean of just i mean there was a lot of innovation lots of yeah. like you know we had a we had a steel like a steel sculptor make us a, a mixer Paddle. and yeah. jason got us a this jason got us a uh a motor and like i mean there was a lot of stuff that we yeah. did to i mean it was try crazy. to make it work <laughs> try and make it work yeah. yeah um a couple quick funny stories um i don't want to keep you guys here for all, all night but um funny stories one of them was actually the how much beer we could make so we all had full-time jobs pretty stable and so we started out on a half barrel system which is not big in itself anyhow but then we're making these big, huge beers, and we've always never used any extracts or anything like that. We just use hops, the craft beer theory or whatever, the hops, water, and, and grain, and that's it. And so, like, we'd stuff a 20-gallon mash ton, like homebrew mash ton, with, like, 60 pounds of grain. And, like, it would take nine hours to brew wow. one batch of beer. Because it took so long for the, the, the liquid Water, to, get, yeah. to, to run through the mash. And it was just miserable. But, like, I'll never forget, we did that for, like, three months. And then Digfest, not Digfest. Was it Digfest? I think it is Dig. Digfest Sorry. came knocking on our door, the Grandview Festival, and was like, hey, you guys want to be in Digfest? Oh, no, it was Hollabaloo. That's what it was. Hollabaloo? Oh, no, we, no we were, we, that's was, when our okay. opening was. But Digfest came yeah. and was like, hey, you guys want to take part in Digfest? And we're like, oh, yeah, that would be awesome. And we're, we asked them how much beer that we, like, yeah. we, how much beer to expect. Like, and they're like, well, you guys should bring four barrels, which is <laughs> like eight half barrels, right? And we're like, 
oh shoot (laughs) and like we literally ordered bigger equipment that day or the day after that um because it would have taken us like we calculated i would take us like five months to make that much beer um and so we got we took that equipment and then they made a bigger basically a three barrel extension the same thing that we were brewing on but quite a bit bigger basically 100 gallon tanks um and we we bought those and we started brewing on those and we we were part of hullabaloo or not hullabaloo but uh, dig fest um but that was that was pretty wild and then kind of circling the car back to the initial question of of kind of the following so jason it's funny because we have this place and we have a big tap room up in worthington now because i'll never forget this guy he (laughs) was we were running a production brewery and by god he was he was dead set on a production brewery and we're like me and the other guy were like I mean, let's just bring some let's bring some taps in and like open the place up for you know once or twice a week when we're here that's a stupid so people, idea so people could come come can come drink beer here like profit margins are better like it'll be great and jason's like that's stupid like that's a stupid <laughs> idea nobody wants to come here and uh and he reluctantly went went along with it we got a what seven tap system I think we had yeah. seven taps. Yeah. Well, we started off with we the started kegerator. We started out with the kegerator. It was with, made out of six, a freezer. Yeah, that yeah. was made out of a freezer that, we again, we made. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, we, we, you know, we opened with that, and, uh, and man, people just started coming in, and we were open in the tap. Yeah. Like, our little tap room, makeshift tap room, was open for, like, two months, and we um, made our first batch of ZBS, which is one of our signature barrel-aged beers. But we were using a one-gallon barrel, and we just rotated beer through it two times so we only had two gallons of it for and we we advertised that we were going to release this beer on draft and like we thought we were rolling in the money (laughs) well we only we only poured it in five ounce pours because we didn't have very much of it and we thought we were rolling in money because like i mean people like there was a ton of people that showed up and we sold out of the beer and like we made like 600 bucks that day yeah like and we were like like, oh my god holy cow but but that made him a believer and so like we like we were open two days three days a week basically moving forward and you know there was a lot of people that came through that little that little garage yeah there's probably a lot of people that uh remember it that were there when we were as a tap room but then it was like well could you also hold this hose real quick for us and you know it was like the tap room was there but it wasn't a tap room when no one was there i mean it was storage it was our bottling area it was all this it was so small and yeah and i mean hoses were running under people's feet on saturday when we were brewing like it was yeah it was pretty wild but uh but yeah so and then that kind of paved the way for the new place and jason was like we got to have a tap room and it's honestly With the, with the way the craft beer industry has went, it's kept us in a good place. Actually, is is having that tap room. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of business up there, and and you know about a year and a half ago, that's when me and Jason sat down and started talking about doing a concept like the place that you're sitting at today. Of of like, we feel that this is where the industry is going, and like, you know, there's no there's a lot of brew, breweries down here, but none of them really have a kitchen. Um, like seven sun north high they don't have kitchens um you know they have food trucks and whatnot which we do up at our other brewery but nobody has a real kitchen and we wanted to make something that's a kind of a a unique concept down here and and uh that's we kind of fell into this space particularly but um but that's kind of 
the, the, the way we see the, this business going. So. So, so from the point of uh, Zaftig becoming a business, when did you open the Huntley Road tap room? So we were two and, two and a half years is when we started thinking about it. Uh, we were into that, into the Schrock Road. We were there. And then we, we kind of, as, as he mentioned, we were trying to figure out, like, what do we want to do with this? You know, we were so small and, and there's just, there was no money in it. We we're working uh, night and day. And, and, and it was like, you have to, get, you just have to get bigger. Like, there's just at a point where, you know, it's fun and, you know, yeah. And then it, and then it gets to a point where, like, it's no fun anymore after doing it that long. And you just, you're exhausted at the end of a day. And some days, I mean, it would take, 30 hours for us to do brews and and so we really kind of came to the understanding that if, if we wanted to do this things had to change like you, you just have to get bigger not that you have to get Rheingeist big but you just got to get larger and we started throwing around the idea of like okay what, what would the next place look like and, and just like you said I mean taproom was a big thing we knew that you had to have that uh, to, to, to really make it and and so we started looking at different spaces, and when we really kind of put the plan together, that's how the third partner kind of ended up leaving. Um, and we decided, Jim and I said, well, you know, are, do we want to do this still? And, and you kind of start soul searching a little bit, like, you know, can we really do this? It's working really well, but it's working well in a really small amount of beer. Uh, and so we, you know, pretty much said, okay, let's, Let's do it, you know, and, and uh, families were behind it, and uh, it, it, it took a lot. Uh, it, as you probably talked to other people, this is a very expensive business. Uh, it's, it's, not, um, it's certainly not a get-rich-quick uh, scheme. Uh, I'd be surprised if anybody is rich from being a, a craft beer brewery owner. Um, but, there, you know, there's a part where you... Other than Sam at Dogfish Head. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's doing yeah. okay. Yeah, he, he did all right. Uh, you, you know, but, but you got, yeah, you got to get that big to, to make that happen. And, and so, you know, we, we did it for, I think, yeah, I think we say it's about two and a half years that we were at that facility, uh, before we moved over. And I, and I remember when we first got our, our, our professional brew equipment and brewed on it the first time, it was just like, what do we do with ourselves? Like <laughs> you spend so much time with this smaller equipment, just making it work. And this, you, you put all the grain in it and you're like, well, we'll come back in 45 minutes and we'll transfer that beer out of there. <laughs> you know? And it just, that, that was just a huge eye opener. I, I think we probably would have changed things earlier on in at least the brewing equipment that we bought. If we had just kind of thought through it a lot of it was well we, we, we don't have them yeah a lot of it was we just didn't have the money we didn't know uh but when you start getting on this equipment you just find out that so much of our heartache and in, in, in trying to make different products and then trying to do repeatability i mean that was huge problems for us is to make the same beer twice like you, you just it just was so hard to do uh and so once we got that equipment it was like gosh why didn't we do this two years ago <laughs> like, yeah. So, so you're, you're obviously in this because you love beer, but I, I would love to know, what do you like to drink? What's your favorite kind of beer? Yeah, so, so the, the surprising thing, and I'll let Jim answer for himself, but uh, I'm not a huge beer drinker. Uh, I, uh, I was... <laughs> All right, <that> question. <laughs> I uh, honestly, I mean, I, I grew up, uh, I actually grew up in New Mexico, uh, and so we're a Coors uh, 
you'd never Budweiser was something. I mean, that was that was yucky beer. Like nobody ever drank that stuff. And uh, and so coming out to Ohio, that kind of switched. Everybody's drinking, you know, Bud Bud Light, and it's like, you know, we we wouldn't hardly, you know, wash our car with that stuff. Like it was just <laughs> terrible. And so um, so I kind of grew up on that uh, that front, uh, and then. I kind of, before we started this, I was starting to do more kind of reaching out and, and drinking some of these bigger beers, which I, which I did like. Uh, but I'm, I'm more of a, a bourbon fan. Um, I, like, uh, I, I like bourbon whiskey, um, scotch as well. I mean, that's typically what I go for. Um, but, you know, taste buds change. You know, I'm kind of all over the place on, on some of that stuff. Um, that's. I am a big beer fan. I mean, there's... <laughs> I got interviewed this morning, actually, and, and we were talking about this, and they were like, well, what are, you, what are your thoughts? You love beer. I was like, I love about 2% of beer that's out there. I, it's not that it's bad. The, the, the 98% is bad. There's just a, a, a lot of beers that are very forgettable, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, and I like the, uh, the big barrel-aged beers are my, my personal favorite. Um, uh, a couple of the ones that I personally like from us are Old Rugger, and uh, we have a, a, a barrel-aged strong ale on right now here uh, called the Grand Opening that are a couple of my my personal favorites that we've brewed. Um, again, that's one of the reasons why I like Avery so well is because their barrel program is amazing. Uh, the brewery out in California, Alesmith, um, I look up to a lot of those breweries that have those big barrel-aged programs. Um, and some of that, some of that goes back to kind of what Jason was saying too. Is I'll be, I like beer, but I don't drink that much beer. I, I when I'm drinking at home, I, I, I like old fashions. I like whiskey, scotch, um, specifically Highland Scotch, the sweeter, caramely, very, very much kind of like our beers. I mean, I like the, the those flavor profiles. Yeah, I'm a Scotch guy too, so we can certainly mm. have that discussion yeah. offline. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and I'm a bourbon guy, so yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Here we are at your new new facility. It's been open for all of a week. Yep. Right. Uh, beautiful location right here on Fifth Avenue in Italian Village. Uh, gosh, the outside is beautiful. The inside is even better. Uh, what made you want to come down to Italian Village and expand into uh, the brew pub market? So when we first initially started looking, um, like, like I said, about a year and a half ago, me and Jason were talking about about looking into um, looking into expand the business into a brew pub setting, um, and literally right after that conversation, I kind of came downtown um, to look at a couple spaces that we found online out in a Old Town East, which is just east of here, and uh, they weren't going to work. And I just so happened to drive like kind of down downtown here, and uh, coming. I think I was going down Summit or maybe coming down Fifth, and I came across this place, and it was, you know, they had just started to build it. Like, it was one one floor high, basically, and they had fence, you know, construction fencing around it, and it had big for lease sign, sign on it, and uh, I took pictures of it and text Jason, and we started looking looking online, and uh, and... He's like, well, yeah, give them a call tomorrow and see what they, you know, see if it's available or whatever. And so I did, and they were available. It was available, and, and they were super interested. So, I mean, it was really kind of by luck that we fell into this specific space, and, and it just 
so happened that it, I think it's going to work out pretty doggone good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we were looking, like, we didn't know exactly. We didn't, we didn't say, oh, well, we want to be an Italian village. Like, we're, we, want, we knew we wanted to be closer to downtown or closer to, you know, a higher population density was important to us because our, our brewery up in Worthington is kind of a destination spot. I mean, it's a true, like, craft beer spot. Um, you know, and we have people from all over the state and even all over the country sometimes that come in to the brewery, but, like, they're coming to the brewery and they're big craft beer people. And, like, unfortunately, there's not that many craft beer people that to, to like, keep businesses afloat. Like, we're, we're a production brewery. We're, we're selling beer outside as well. And we're, like... We started talking about the concept. We wanted to, to build a concept where, you know, we could have liquor, we could have wine, food, the whole nine yards, and the location just kind of fell into place, basically. Yeah. So I take it neither of you have chef experience or uh, developing menus for food? Nope. No. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big, big, big fan of cooking, and I do, do a lot of cooking, but far from a chef. Like, I couldn't imagine cooking for 100 people yeah like it it was an eye-opener for us what what that takes yeah it's a completely different level of you know what do you you need you just need you know a flat top and a fryer and that's it right it's piece of cake well now that way off we uh we we ended up uh because we, we we knew we didn't uh didn't know and we and we actually the funny thing is we actually talked i mean this years ago we talked about like you know we do not want to be a restaurant owner like we talked about it, like that's just disaster like there's all kinds of problems like we just stay away from that like that's what we want to do and then when we started kicking this around it was like well we have to put a restaurant in it you know and uh and so we the good thing is we were we ended up reaching out to some friends uh that pointed us to um some people to essentially were willing to give us some consulting advice and uh, and that that was huge. Uh, they actually said that one of the hardest things that that chefs see is that owners tend to think that they know everything about cooking, and so they come into it and they're like, well, just like I said, you know, well, you you know, you need a stove and you know a couple things and that's it. It's easy. And uh, they said that the the best thing you can say is that you don't know anything and you want to learn. And and so that's what we did. We we. Ended, ended up being uh, two mutual friends of mine uh, kind of pointed to the same person uh, and he came in and said well let me let me see what the kitchen design looks like and so I showed it to me he's like yeah that's not going to work at all <laughs> like you need to start over and I said well the good news is uh, we haven't built it yet so that that works um, but he really opened our eyes that you really design a kitchen around the menu you want to make. It's not the other way around. You don't say, well, let's build a kitchen and then make food. Uh, it's really the whole process has a lot to do with, you know, just efficiency of the kitchen, moving stuff through and, you know, and then the number of items you have on the menu and all that stuff. And then where do you store it all? And I mean, there's just so much more that we never knew. Uh, and so he was instrumental in really... Uh, it, it got to the point where the kitchen I wasn't worried about. That was the that felt like that was the easy part. Um, he had done such a good job of doing that, and and then he actually introduced us to our, our chef that we have now, uh, JD, and then um, and then JD hired uh, Kevin, who's our sous chef, uh, and that's been great. Uh, it's it's a good partnership. We still work with him uh, on 
consulting basis from menu design and stuff as well. Uh, and he's been, been very instrumental in, in getting that going. So what would you say the theme of your food fair is here? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's pub fair uh, with, with a little bit of a, a spin and, and a quality. I mean, we, we, we feel like we make kind of a premium product uh, and we wanted that to cover into our food as well. But we didn't want to, we don't, we don't want to be a Wolf's Ridge. Like that's not, that's not what we're going for. Um, they, they do something very well. They have very good chefs that, that, that work over there. Uh, and, and we, we didn't want to contend with that. And a lot of it was the price. We wanted to have a price point where people could come in here and eat food and drink and get out of here for 20 bucks or less. And, and so we thought, how do we do that? How do we put a menu together that's, that's that way, but not just the regular, you know, some chicken wings and some other stuff. We wanted to have a little bit of a higher class or just to spin on some of the things. So that was kind of the inspiration when we talked to, to this, uh, this consultant. And, uh, and so he really built the menu kind of around that, thinking about our, you know, like, like our, our beers, the heavier beers, and then bourbon and all those types of influences and stuff and put it together. Yeah, and then, so as far as, so looking at the menu, so you guys have a pretty consistent rotating tap um, menu out there. What, what would you say is the most thing the biggest thing that you're excited about on the menu right now or maybe that's upcoming for people that can try in the future from beer or food wise uh either one um i mean like i said before as far as beer goes um the infusion tower is always going to be fun um we're you know we'll keep that pretty fresh it'll probably be the same thing that we have now um until christmas um past that you know we have some ipas that will dry hop and stuff like that um and then the the uh, grand opening, uh, Barrel Edge Strong Ale, are the two, two, two beers that I'm most excited about, or two ideas, I guess. Um, and as far as food, I mean, uh, I was pretty like 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 Jason said, we don't know a whole lot about a, a you know a commercial kitchen, but I know I eat we eat out a lot for lunch, and I know what good food is, or I feel like I know what good food is and what I like. And we got off to kind of a, a little bit of a rocky start as far as a, right on the initial part. But the, the food now is um, got to give the chefs credit. They, I mean, they, they really turned it around, and, and there's not really a bad thing on the menu. Um, the things that I really like personally, um, the mac and cheese is excellent. Um, we got lots and lots of reviews on the, the, the grilled pimento cheese, like a grilled cheese with pimento. Um, the the Zaftig fries are amazing. Um, a good Clydesdale food, the, the pretzel <laughs> with the, the beer cheese. Like we, the, they they did a great job with the beer cheese and the pretzel. The pretzels, a, you know, when you're going to come in and just for a snack, that's really good. Um, I I don't know of anywhere else to have sweet potato tater tots. Those are really really good. Um, those are served with our Zaftig sauce. Um, I mean, like yeah. It, and and yeah, it's a I'm rotating, hungry. yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's a rotating menu too. I mean, it'll it, it that's what it is right now. It's our fall, what we call our fall menu, and so the plan is is that that will change, you know, throughout the seasons. You know, to we'll probably have signature dishes that will carry through, and maybe just have a little bit different spins on it to kind of match the the season that we're in. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what what Jim's saying. Yeah, and it's funny the evolution of that because there were some knockdown, dragout fights on on some of oh, the yeah. stuff and with the chefs. 
not with the chefs, but about the chefs. People because, are passionate about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and but it, it came around really nicely, and they've they've done a, a good job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, awesome. Well, speaking of menus, your beer menu is it pretty consistent? The same uh, beers, or do you do you infuse a lot of new stuff? So our our whole philosophy from the get go has been to try and you know we're we're certainly innovative and we certainly have our thumb on the market and and are trying to make beers that people are like trendy beers I guess like the juicy double IPAs and stuff we certainly make those but we've also always been you know sticklers to our I guess our idea in our in our in my head anyhow has always been like Juicy Lucy and Hazy Miss Daisy are our IPAs. They're not, they're not mind blowers. Like they're 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 good. They're really really good, well done beers. Um, and I want um, people to go out and buy those at the store, and then buy a six pack of whatever to try other stuff. Kind of like Cigar City High Lie. Like that, I really like that beer. It's it's not anything crazy good, but it's a good easy drinking beer. And so that was kind of our mentality with a lot of those beers. But the beers that we, I guess where I'm going with that is we don't make a ton of new beers. Like, you know, I know Rheingeist has even slowed down on this too just because they've gotten so big. But, like, Platform brings out, like, four to six new beers a month. That's not our business model. Our business model is, like, six to eight new beers a year. Okay. And we've, we've also, honestly, like, we have a one-night stand series, which is the creative let the let the brewers or myself do some creative stuff uh like that we don't normally do and a couple of those have turned into to regular beers like hazy miss daisy was a one night stand um uh, <laughs> nuts for you <laughs> nuts for you was a one night stand um so so they turned into more than just a one night stand um long term uh, relationship yes yeah yep. yeah um so she came back yeah and oh and, and we're we're uh we're, we're bringing out our chocolate raspberry stout that we made as a one night stand last year that's going to be more like a uh friends with benefits kind of thing because <laughs> it's only going to be brewed once a year so um but but like just you know that gets the creative juices flowing three or four times a year we we bring out several hop swappers which is we swap the hops out on a regular basis so it's you know, on the legality standpoint, it's the same beer. We don't have to get more licensing done for it, um, but we can. We have some creative freedom with that, so we can pop in a couple, two or three different new hops into a, a big double IPA and make them as juicy or, you know, bitter as we want and, and, and have fun that way. Well, one thing um, I want to say, I was up at the Worthington location last night. You guys allow people to do mix sixes of your beers um, yep. at the tap room. Are you going to allow that down here at the brew pub as well? Pro- probably not. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, we, you know, we have packaged beer here for sale, um, and that's, you know, it's it, it, it gets messy when you start breaking it all up. Um, I, I won't say we'll never do it, but right now that's not, that's not our plan. I'll, I'll say from a consumer, I thought that was a really cool idea. I'd never seen that at any other brewery I've been to. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 I mean, it is, it's a great concept and, and unfortunately we just don't have a ton of space down here. It, it's why I was, I was shaking my head. No, not talking yeah. it, saying it into the mic, but <laughs> like it, it, we want people to try all the beers and, and have an opportunity to get a, a, a mix. Um, but at the same point in time, like 
that's kind of where the craft beer industry is right now too like you can go into the store and never buy the same beer twice and so you know the people are untapped like like i get my untapped check-ins why not make it to where you can come in and get six beers and six new beers and try them and, and check them in um on the same token space and stuff um and conceptually down here like we have apartments above us they're putting in 130 apartments right here next door um it's one of those things where we want people to have that feeling of they can come in grab some food to go and a six pack cold six pack to go and then go up to their room too like we it's not just like a one-stop shop where you have to come in here sit down like eat dinner you can come in here open bottle of wine while you're waiting for your food to be done cork the wine take it upstairs grab a six-pack take it upstairs whatever that sort of thing well do you guys have any other questions so i'd just like to be the one of the first to congratulate you on your new location a weekend looks like things are going well out there yeah thank uh, you place is beautiful and uh do you want to let the audience know where they can find you guys the two locations that you have yeah, so uh, so this location uh, is at 119 uh, East 5th Avenue, uh, and then our production uh, taproom facility is in Worthington. It's at 7020 Huntley Road. And you, you, you have a website that links to both locations? We do, yeah. So it's uh, drinkzaftig.com. Uh, is our website and when you go to the website you can click either direction or either uh, location uh, to see what we're doing here versus up in Worthington. Well thank you very much guys for spending some time with us. I really enjoyed the stories. Yeah it was awesome to hear all the things you've been through in your seven years as a brewery uh, and continued success. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Yeah thank you guys. All right thank you for joining us on episode five. We'll see you next time. Peace out. This has been Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Again, my name is Scott Schweitzer, and I am the Clydesdale Crossfitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit that like button or subscribe button. And feel free to give us a really good rating. We'd love to see that. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Craft Beers and Cheat Meals with the Clydesdale Crossfitter.